0: Welcome to the Build a Life After Loss podcast, where we help women who have lost children to build a life of purpose and joy. Our aim is to encourage your hope in the future and strengthen your confidence. I'm your host, Julie Clough, Life Coach and Certified Grief Recovery Specialist. Hello, my friends. Welcome to Episode 20, Grief and Moving Forward it seems like lately i've talked a lot about grief and and our thoughts and how those kind of go together and kind kind of i guess what i've been talking about really is mindset like how do we think about things and i wanted to explore these thoughts a little deeper and maybe even give some more clarity and information around it. So today I was listening to a podcast interview and the guest was a man who shared his story about running over his nine-year-old son pulling out of a driveway and his son did not survive. And all the emotions around that and the heartbreak. And he was I, I want to say that when he recorded this interview, it had been less than two years. And so the emotions were still pretty fresh and um, the memories were pretty fresh. Of course, when he goes through something like that, the memories seem pretty fresh because when we have heightened emotions, those are the types of things that our bodies kind of hang on to, our minds, our bodies, our heart hang on to. But as he expressed his heartbreak and his pain, and and he talked about You know, getting to this place where he just, he just felt like there was no way he could go on. And then the, the light that came into his life, the, the, the message that he personally received from God that he was, he was suffering now because of the time that he had with his son, that, that God could take away his pain, but he would have to take away those nine years he had with his son. And he, and his, his grief took on new meaning for him. And, And it was so beautifully expressed, but he also talked about, you know, not feeling any joy for four months. And, and I'm sure that we can all relate to that, not really feeling any glimmer of joy for, for those months. And then when he did start to feel some happiness, some joy kind of creep in, then he felt guilty. And this is, we've talked about this a lot, or I feel like we've talked about this a lot, and that, that feeling of guilty because, you know, we can't, it's, we're, we're the parent and we've lost our child. How in the world could we ever feel happy again? And I, you know, as I listened to his story and I listened to the miracles that happened and I listened to him express the growth that he's experienced and the love that he has for his son and his family and the people that surrounded him during this time. Um, it was, it was just really, um, it was really beautiful to hear his story as painful as it was. And I was reminded of, of that heartbreak and that feeling of not, not being able to handle, to handle that deep of a grief, that deep of a pain and that feeling of, wanting to escape somehow and there's nowhere to escape. You know, if you go if you go on a trip, you go on a vacation, you you get out of town, you just you just drive until you, you can't stop and then you stop to sleep somewhere, the pain goes with you. So there's no no getting away from it. And on Facebook a couple of weeks ago, um a gentleman commented on and I I could I could feel in his comment that he was feeling those same type of trapped, painful emotions of I just can't handle this. And it was and I was reminded that the way we feel today is not always the way we're gonna feel tomorrow. And I say today and tomorrow in, in a in a larger sense in a sense of you know the way we feel today is not necessarily the way we're going to feel in a month, is not necessarily the way we're going to feel in a year. And if we hang on and we use the resources that are available to us, and we allow ourselves to purge, to cry, to express our grief, we can eventually process so much of this pain, so much of this anguish, and get to a place where we can feel joy again. We have so much good around us. You know, for me, I still had my husband, my other children, my family. I had so much good around me, and I could not completely ignore that. For this man, he had two other sons and, and a daughter and, um, and his wife, and, of course, they were in agonizing pain. But he, he gave the message of hope also that there is better things ahead. And, and he understood in that moment of his deep pain that there was better things ahead for him. And he did speak of faith. And if you're not a person of faith, that's totally fine. If you're, if you're not a a religious person, person, I should say, we can believe that God loves us we can believe the universe is conspiring in my favor. Those are those are thoughts that are available to us, regardless of where we are in our journey. If you're a religious person, you can believe that God loves you. He's aware of you. He's aware of your situation. If you're not a religious person, you can still hold on to that belief that the universe is conspiring in your favor. And it may not look like it right now. And it may not look at like it right away. But I just want to assure you that it will look like that at some point in your journey, and that it's worth holding on to. I also heard Brooke Castillo from the Life Coach School podcast explaining three distinct losses in her life and how they impacted her. And it was so fascinating to hear her story because I think so often we we compare our losses. And so she told about losing her brother, who had been living a somewhat reckless life, who had been, um, I think her brother and her dad were both alcoholics. I'm trying to remember exactly, but her dad is an alcoholic and her brother was a, a drug addict and, and she and her mom had been concerned about her brother for many years and, and just, they just wondered, you know, when they were going to get the call. And so when the call came, it was a different experience for her. He wasn't, he hadn't been impacting her life on a daily basis. And while she was sad, and I don't, I don't want to put words in her mouth, but this is the way I heard her tell her story or way I understood it she was sad that her brother was gone, but at the same time, it didn't come as a total shock. And she didn't have daily contact with her brother. So it didn't change her day to day too much. And kind of, she kind of had the almost the same experience with her father, who had been an alcoholic and had not really been that involved in her life. And so when he passed away, she was sad and it was a sad occasion and there was grief, but it wasn't the overwhelming grief that sometimes we see portrayed or, or or what you may have experienced. And then she had this little dog and this dog was just went everywhere with her and and the dog, um, they were at a friend's house and he'd slipped under the pool cover and drowned. And she said she had never felt such devastating pain. And two years later, she was still in pain and grief over this loss because this dog had been so important in her life, had been part of her daily life and had had brought meaning to her life. And she had loved this dog and she felt responsible. She felt responsible for his death. And so it, it added a whole different level of experience for her. I think it's really easy to compare losses. We we look at a loss like losing a father or losing a brother or losing a dog and losing a child. And we compare the losses and we think we know, or, or a spouse for for instance, and we think we know how that person should grieve. And we think we understand what the timetable is. There's a cultural timetable out there, and we think we kind of know what that is. You know, if it's, and even in even in corporate America, they put timetables on these things. You know, if it's a grandmother, you get one day off. If it's a, I don't even know, I don't even know what the the terms are, but I do remember being on a thread with some women who had lost children, and the question was, how long did you get to take off from work? And most of them took off like days. I'm talking like three days or a week. The lucky ones got to take two weeks off. And so there's there's this kind of implied timetable in that. And there just is not a timetable. And we can never know how a loss is impacting another person. And we can never compare losses. And I I feel strongly that we can never say that this is the way to do it. And this is the time frame. And the reason I'm sharing this with you is, is as I've shared some different concepts and some different ideas on this podcast, my overarching concern always is that in some way that you are thinking that I'm implying there's some type of timetable or I'm giving you instructions on this is the way you do it, and this is how long it should last. And I just I just never want you to think that way. I never want you to feel like that I'm telling you how to do this, but I I do want to give information and I and one of the things I want to clarify is just some terminology. So when I talk about grief, I'm talking about that pain that comes from the loss, the pain, the natural, the normal pain that comes from a loss. And when we talk about mourning, Mourning is actually the the expression of our grief, the expression of our pain. So when we cry, um, when we scream, those are acts of mourning. And when we talk about getting past grief, we're not talking about getting past that person. We're talking about getting past the pain of grief and getting... To that place where, yes, there's still sadness, but it's, it's not the continuous sadness and deep despair of grief. So I just want to be really clear about those definitions because as we talk and I talk about grief or I talk about mourning or I even talk about getting past the grief, I, I want to be clear that, that getting past the grief, I'm, I'm really talking about getting past that overwhelming pain of grief, so that we can look back on fond memories, so we can enjoy the relationship that we still have with our child, with our loved one. We can still enjoy that relationship, even though they're not here. We can talk about them. We can remember things that they've done and have happy, joyful memories you know, right after a loss, it's, it's almost like we've, it's like we've gone into surgery and we've been opened up and this wound is just gaping. And so anything that comes near us is just like a raw nerve. And that's kind of how it feels. I think it's just that opening up. It's that surgery, surgical opening of a gaping wound and as we take steps and as we as we go through the process of actually grieving and mourning and feeling our feelings and not just stuffing them down, eventually that wound starts to heal and eventually the wound heals from the inside out and we become whole again, not in a way that we are exactly the same person that we were before. I just don't think that's possible. And I I think that's totally okay. I don't think we should be the same person we were before. But we can still be happy and we can still enjoy a purposeful life. A year or two after Carrie and David died, I was asked to play the piano for our church's youth Sunday school. These were kids ages 3 to 12. And they would have this singing time and I play the piano and I know the music for this group. I, you know, I've played it for years and it's not a a difficult assignment for me at all. And, and so I said, yes. And I went in there and I, I started playing the piano and I played for them for a couple weeks. And then I realized that I just could not handle it, that the sadness was just too great as I would sit in there and I would see these kids that, and and the whole time I was missing Carrie and David and feeling like they should have been there, that this, this was, this was the group that they would have been in if they were still living. And, and it was just too painful for me. And so I asked to, To not do that, for them to find somebody else to play the piano, that it was too difficult for me. And I remember that conversation with the, with the girl that had asked me to play and, and she was so sweet. And she said, Oh, I wondered if that was going to be too difficult. And she completely let me off the hook. Now I could have had thoughts like, why in the world did they ask me in the first place? And frankly, I may have even had that thought. What were they thinking? that wasn't nice of them to even ask me in the first place they they should have known that i would have felt obligated or pressured or like i n- needed to do that and they should have never asked me and i could have harbored feelings of irritation and just i could have just really felt badly toward these women that asked me to do this assignment. The other option for me was to just realize that they had asked me to do something. They weren't sure what my response was going to be. And when I shared my response, they let me off the hook. And I guess that's what I'm talking about when I talk about grief and thought work. So our grief is one thing. Our sadness over losing our that I don't even want to say sadness. I want to say that deep pain that we have, that grief that we have losing our child is, is one feeling, but the feeling of irritation is a completely different feeling. And the one is not the same as the other. Let me just be clear. So we have grief because we've lost our child. We don't want to compound that grief by thinking thoughts about other people and the way they're responding to our grief that's just going to pile on the pain. So we have opportunities to think about what's happened in a way that doesn't pile on the pain. Let me let me give you another example that's not related necessarily to grief, but is, is one that we're probably all familiar with. I was on a text thread today with some ladies that I played tennis with. Hopefully they're not listening (laughs) because it really isn't that big of a deal. But anyway, I was on a text thread with them today and... There were, I don't know, 12 of us on the thread and they were talking about spring tennis and when we were going to play and who was going to play and so forth. And it was, it ended up being a funny thread because of some autocorrect mistakes that turned words into other words. And, you know, everyone was kind of joking and laughing about it. And, and I responded to the thread and said, I was, you know, I was, laughing at the thread as well. And I was excited about playing in the spring. And then there were a couple other comments after mine, but no one responded directly to my message. No one said, Oh, Julie, we're so glad you're going to play with us or whatever. Right? How easy is it for me to go, look, they, they put me on the thread, but they don't really care that I play. Or they put me on the thread, they're not really my friends, otherwise they would have responded. Do you see the difference between what actually happened and then our thoughts about it and how that causes a feeling and a reaction? The situation was just that, you know, I responded to a thread that frankly was dying out about the time I responded to it. So there weren't a lot of people responding after me anyway. And then I had a choice, I could think, oh my goodness, you know, and that kind of went through my mind for a half a second, but I just, I just didn't entertain it. That's the difference. And then I was just like, I'm totally cool with this group. I love this group. They love me. We're good. And how much differently do I think when I think I love this group and we're good compared to, oh my goodness, nobody likes me. Nobody cares if I'm going to even show up. It's just a totally different experience. Same thing with, I've posted in a couple of Facebook groups recently that I'm involved in. And, and I look around and I think, Oh, all these people are getting all this interaction and I'm kind of looking for some interaction and, and I'm just not getting a lot of response. Again, it would be easy to go, Look, nobody cares what I think. Nobody wants to hear from me. And instead I looked at it and I thought it's the time of day I'm posting at a time of day when people aren't on and then it gets buried in the thread or whatever thought that I want to have. But when I have those thoughts, like, cause, because believe me, it's not that the thoughts don't come up. Sometimes they come up. I don't entertain them. I just don't give them any air. It's like fanning the flame you know, when you're building a fire and it needs air, the fire needs air in order to grow. And so when we find ourselves being irritated with other people, or we find ourselves having feelings outside of the grief that is just piling in the pain on the grief, we can really examine what it is we're thinking. What are we thinking? If we called somebody and they didn't answer, Can we, can we think, oh, they're busy right now. I'll talk to them later, which is what feeling does that bring up? It's just, it is what it is, right? It's no big deal. But if we think they never answer, why don't they ever answer me? They just don't care. Now, how do we feel? We feel lonely. We feel irritated. We feel Unimportant, even. I mean, all these feelings come up that are not helping us. And so it's a, it's a choice as far as what we think about the, what's happened. It's just like, I think I told you the, about meeting with a therapist after Carrie and David died and it had been maybe three weeks. And I remember him saying to me, you can choose to be happy. Now, I want you to think about the story I told you at the at the beginning of this this man who's lost his nine-year-old son, who he loved dearly and spent so much time with. And he felt no joy for four months after that happened. And I'm sure you can relate to this. So I'm hearing choose happiness. Guess what? I don't want to choose to be happy right now it's not appropriate. Now the time came when it was appropriate, but in the meantime, between when I heard that and when the time came for for it to be appropriate for me to choose joy, in between that, I felt so much added pain because I wasn't choosing happiness. So I just want to tell you right now that choosing happiness is definitely an option, but it may not be the right option. Choosing happiness is an option, but this might not be the right time for this. This might be the time to not choose happy. This might be the time to choose to mourn, to choose to grieve, to choose to remember the love and that deep wound that you're nursing right now. So I guess what I really wanted to say is that I never, ever want to give you a timeline of when things should happen, when you should start feeling happy, or when you should want to get back into your life and when you should stop grieving. There will come a time when you will want to get back into your life, when you will hear kind of that calling to do something, to do something more. When you will wake up one day and realize that you haven't cried. You didn't cry the day before. The, that day will come. That day will come when you will feel the lessening of that pain so you can enjoy happy memories and you can experience joy. And I, I just want to support you in feeling whatever it is you're feeling and then getting clear about what is healing and what isn't. So in other words, when we're grieving, crying is healing. Crying helps us to get those deep emotions, to start moving those deep emotions so they don't just get stuck inside. Expressing our sadness, expressing our pain, sitting with our pain and feeling it in our body and focusing on how it feels in our body. Those are all ways for us to deal with our grief. My caution is to not add to your grief by having expectations of others and the way they should respond or adding to your grief by thinking things about a situation that is not helpful. If you have any questions about that, please reach out to me. I am just here for you. And I would love to have a conversation with each one of you and and help you to understand how these concepts can be used in your life. For me, there did come a time when I did start to feel like I'm doing better and I'm not crying every day and I'm not in this deep pain anymore. And I'm starting to feel better and I'm starting to do better. And that was with a lot of support with a therapist, with others that I could talk to. I got a lot of support to do that. But there did come a time when I just, I wanted to move forward with my life. I wanted to start adding things to my life that whereas before, you know, in your early days of grief, you were wanting to subtract things from your life because there's just not room for grief and a whole lot of other stuff. And there did come a time when I wanted to start adding things back in, adding back in things that brought me joy. I would offer to you to have some of that possibility thinking, to think about the possibility that that day will come for you and to be patient. So two sides of the coin, entertain the idea that the possibility of you feeling better is there. And also be very patient with yourself in this journey and know that even in this, this whole concept of our thoughts uh, affecting our feelings and having choices about how we think about circumstances and things and situations that have happened, this takes time. It takes time to turn around our thoughts, to, to become the watcher. To become the watcher of our thoughts in a curious way, in a patient way, in a loving way, not in a, what were you thinking? Why did you, you know, do that? Which we are so easy to do. I've caught myself a few times this week saying things like, well, that was a dumb thing to do. I just did a dumb thing. I'm, I'm a dummy, you know. I don't even remember what I said, but something to that effect. There was a couple of times where I, I I'd do something and I go, Well, well, that was a that was I'm a dummy for doing that, you know, and that just is just not helpful. And it sounds silly because I said said it in a playful way, but the reality is I don't want that in my life at all. I don't ever want to talk to myself in a way that I would never say to anything anybody else. I would never, ever, ever say to somebody else, Well, you're a dummy for doing that ever. Like I would never do that. And then I catch myself saying that to myself out loud, even in a joking way. I, yeah, no, that's got to (laughs) go. That's got to go. So I just want to tell you again, how much I appreciate you being here. And I appreciate those of you that have reached out to me and told me how much this podcast means to you. I, my heart is full. My heart is full with your, your love and your courage. I truly do believe in you. Just a reminder that on the website, buildalifeafterloss.com, if you go to the Work with Julie tab, you can schedule a time to meet with me and we can chat And I would just love to have an opportunity to chat with you. Remember, I believe in you. Have a wonderful week.